0: right now, because when, when this guest and I, when we first jumped on this call, there's a big target there and I'm reading this, his LinkedIn profile. He's a founder and a government relations expert. He, he, he formulates GR strategies to lower business costs and maximize revenues. I'm just fortunate that I was able to pick out a shirt that matched today (laughs) And, 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 you know, Being in the presence of somebody brilliant like this is always a challenge, but we're going to get through it. I have on today's podcast Luis Farias, F-A-R-I-A-S. And, again, he is a uh, – and he also – we're going to talk about this, too. He's a Latino writer and champion, and I love that. And and we're going to talk about that. And he targets impossible. Target your impossible – and make it possible. And we're going to make possible a great conversation with Luis Farias, who joins me today on the Intentional Courage podcast. Luis, how are you today, my friend?
1: I'm doing great, Brian. Thank you for that generous and kind introduction. Uh, you know, thanks for having me. And, you know, I hope that we can impart a little bit of knowledge along the way during this conversation. Well, when I'm in
0: the presence of, of greatness like that, I have to, I have to really you know, give the, give the introduction like that. Otherwise it would be a big, it would be a letdown, Luis. I mean, you have done a ton of stuff in your life and career, and we're going to get to that here in just a little bit. I got to ask you, and you and I were talking a little bit before we were actually talking about the weather before we started recording. You're out in Southern California. I've got to ask you this. And and, and I I asked this of, of nearly all the guests as we record this in the midst of COVID-19 how have you been impacted personally from the pandemic and and maybe what was it has been a lesson or one of those aha moments that you've learned in the last year that that was either a new revelation or an existing revelation that you'd kind of put to the side
1: excellent question i think what i would say to that brian is uh Challenges give you an opportunity to really understand your strengths and your weaknesses. Um, uh, as a nation, you know, as you watch, you know, here globally, everybody has had to, uh, in a sense, in reinvent themselves and, and and change their life around. Uh, and not, for me personally, I think that the biggest blessing coming out of it is realizing that it is your faith which must guide your actions day in and day out, right? So to go back a little bit to the Target Your Impossible um, brand, you know, this whole idea that I came up with when I was in the gym and I like pressed 1,300 pounds, little did I know that eventually it would morph into what, you know, COVID has has brought to our doorstep, right? Targeting the impossible is different for everyone every day, but we must do that. Now, we hold up a second.
0: Hold, hold on a second. I got to <laughs> yeah. jump in here. Yes, go ahead. That was such a throwaway thing. Like, like, yeah, when I was in the gym, I pressed 1300 pounds and I had to do a double take. I'm like, wait a minute. I curled a subway sandwich last night, not 1300 pounds, man. <laughs> that is, that is just incredible, man. Is. Let me let me pull some conversation out of that. Sure. I mean, you just dropped that in there so beautifully, Luis. Like, yeah, when I was in the gym, I just popped 13. I was like, wait a minute. What, what is something that we can equate to bodybuilding and weightlifting around this and, and bring the two together? Because, again, I, I here's why I want to go here for just a quick second. A lot of people feel like their situations weigh 1,300 pounds. -hmm. You've you've had businesses have been you you guys have seen it in California where restaurants have been challenged and the service industry's been challenged and that's right there may be some entrepreneurs out there that go you know what Luis I may not have physically been able to do that but man the last six months or the last year I have felt like every day I've gone out and tried to lift 1,300 pounds and it's just felt impossible. Is there something that you take from that world, and and kind of tie it to to the current world? Again, target you're impossible. So what what did the, what does that feel like to lift that amount of weight?
1: Yeah the 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 leg pressing for me. I'll tell you. I'll go back a little bit and explain. When I was in high school, the most I ever leg pressed was seven hundred pounds, but. You know, I was working out with my son and I was thinking as we get a little older, most of us think, hey, that's just, you know, the way it's going to be. And you got to maybe slow down, take it easy. And I thought, no, I'm going to do the opposite. I, I, I want to challenge myself to be stronger, to be better than I was, you know, back in high school. So Hence, you know, the 1300 leg press. uh, Hey man, no
0: guts, no glory. It's what I use. That's what I tell my son. I was like, hey man, no guts, no glory.
1: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And when you do that, you're like, okay, you know, this is, this is great. You know, I wanted to get to 1400, 1500, but then COVID happened. But to bring it back to what you said, Brian, I think everybody that we know has a challenge, a monumental challenge that they face in their life. Unfortunately, Perhaps they do not believe that they have the wherewithal to overcome that challenge and thrive. Uh, Perhaps someone has never told them that. That's why, you know, your, your podcast is fantastic. People need to hear this. It doesn't matter how big the challenge is. What matters is what you're made of. And if you refuse to quit, if you refuse to give up, if you refuse to give in, you will overcome whatever it is that you're facing guaranteed. Yeah. And you'll be happy in the end that you did. Well, and, and Louise, here's
0: the thing that, that I think about. And, and I love the analogy you made there. And you said, I wanted to show my son that I could do it. And, you know, I have a, I have a 20 year old son. He's a sophomore in college and there have been times and, and 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 that's something as a father, I have felt like has been the greatest challenge for me Mm. is constantly being a consistent example Mm. to my son how to love his mother correctly my wife his mother how how to be a good husband because someday my son's going to be a husband Mm -hmm. he's gonna he's gonna love a girl like i i I love my wife you know he he's going to um he's gonna go get a full-time job I want to show him the example of working with excellence and doing things. And, and I'll tell you this, and, and I, and, and, and let me, I'm going to jump off here and then jump back. You know, Luis, I, I can't help but think, man, that you were talking about that. And one of the greatest compliments somebody ever gave me about my son was my son was not a star basketball player. He was probably ninth or 10th on the bench, even his senior year. But the guy whose kid was the best player on the team came to me and he said, I want to tell you something about your son, your son, my son has said, your son is one of the greatest teammates he's ever had. Mm-hmm. Your son is an incredible teammate. And I was like, that's it. Because to your point, we, we think it's impossible to do these things, but what, what, what's really possible is doing the simple things. If Correct. you don't go to the gym, you're not going to be able to leg press anything. You, you don't leg press sitting in your recliner. doing you don't, yeah, you don't get
1: out of the sofa. Right. Exactly.
0: Nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And so when, when you take that step, that starts the possibilities. Correct. of Doing everything that you want to do. What was a great, what was the lesson that you felt like that you shared with your son? in that moment that was kind of like that moment where it was that, that tying together of father and son. Can you take me to that moment where you, you kind of, it kind of came together for
1: you? Yeah. Look, I think just going to the gym with him, spending time together, talking about life, like, you know, two buddies for me was huge, right? Like you, you, want to be a good father. You want to leave a good example for them to follow. And sometimes I think we don't listen well enough. When you have gym, a sport, or whatever that you share in common, that kind of becomes a distraction from that relationship, that dynamic. I think it can really enhance the relationship. And I'll tell you here for Christmas, uh, one of the best gifts that I got from my family was this leather bound book with the words Target Your Impossible on the cover and my wife, my son, and my daughter all wrote something in there about the impact that, not just the phrase, but the, the impact that I've had in their lives, which to me was the greatest gift ever, right? For, for you to just sit down and, and relax for a moment and, and take that kind of feedback in is huge. And I think that if we're honest with ourselves, and we realize that we're here for a short little while, we know when we're born, we know yeah. where that dash is at, but we don't know where we're going to die. Yeah, Make the dash count. Make your life be worth something. Have an impact on your loved ones and your friends your community. You don't have to pick the easy way. Pick the harder way. It's better.
0: I love that. I'm writing that down. Choose the harder way. Yes, always. It's better. Yep. I love that. Because, Luis, a lot of people say hard things are impossibilities right until they're possible <laughs> exactly well and, and luis i'll say this i had to kick myself in the rear end to write my book last year because i'd been sitting on it i've been telling people i'm working on a book i'm working on a book I'm working on a book and i got to the point the first part of last year i said listen if you don't get this thing done don't ever talk about it again because mm. in my mind it was a block like well i was I kind of yeah, I'm working on it. Yeah, you whatever. Right. But but when I decided to really get serious about it, it's po- it became possible. That's and when right. I when when I got that shipment of books in, I'm like, here it is. This was this is everything that I poured into it and now it's in my hands. Is it a hard concept for most people to see the unseen and put it in their hands? I, I, I wonder if I'm asking that question correctly.
1: You, you, you are. Um, I forget what you're saying. I think, like I said earlier, some of us are not uh, taught um, by, you know, those around us or, you know, there's different circumstances in life that handicap you from seeing your true potential, right? When you have all available tools at your disposal, you can put anything together, but when it comes to putting your life together, those tools become even that much more important. But what if you don't know what the tools are? What if you don't know that it's important to have strong confidence in yourself, to be patient with yourself, to be self-loving, to encourage yourself? You, you want to make the world better. You got to start with yourself. You're never going to be able to have give what you don't have, right? And so many people will tell you sometimes, well, I, I, you know, I didn't know any better. They didn't teach me. Well, then go learn it, especially in today's world. Don't give me excuses. You got, you got everything at your disposal. You got the internet, you got YouTube, you got, yeah. book. I mean, like you can get access to all that stuff. You want to be a better person, go do a search and you'll find tons of entries that come back to you. Or you just connect
0: with you, Luis, and, and oh. people are going to get tremendous content and, They're going to, they're going to be encouraged by what you're doing out there and things like that. So, yeah, I I didn't mean to jump in there. I I had to No, you're right. Yeah, it it is. And here's the thing that I love about you and your content. You're speaking to everybody. You're not just speaking to the Latino community. You're speaking, you're speaking to everyone. And, And those things that you're talking about are universal. Correct. If you're breathing and you're a human being, what Luis is saying applies to you, period. And and so I love that. I got to ask you this, and and then we'll we'll pivot on to a couple other things. Yeah. When you got that gift from your family. Yeah. What's the one thing that you feel like that you were able to impart to them that made something in each of their lives possible? Because – I can I can see I can imagine in my mind's eye you getting that gift and you explained beautifully and so I I can imagine holding something in in my hand like that having the logo on it and you you just the emotions I'm sure that you felt were incredible but but what and I don't want you to share specifically what they wrote in the book but what was the most eye-opening thing about that gift to you in that
1: moment it reflected what i try to teach my kids and uh it reminded me of the fact that you know when you're married your spouse uh sometimes we take each other for granted that happens right but when your spouse can see through to you and be there for you um and realize that life is is one long journey, and you must be there to encourage each other was the biggest takeaway for me. You know, just she's like, okay, you know, I know you've always been a fighter, you've always been positive, but you know, you showed it these last few years, you know, kind of thing. And my son, you know, he's like, you're the most positive person that I know. Uh, my daughter, she's like, I'm trying to, uh, you know, target my impossible every day, Dad. So for me, all that stuff it was like. This is it, right? This is yeah. This is what I'm thankful and grateful to God for because he can use every person, each one of us, to have that kind of an impact. We just got to get out of the way. We got to start doing. We got to start believing. Yeah. And then beautiful things happen. And then I think we make the world a little bit better. See, that's
0: kind of like having a, a, a problem with windows and living in Bill Gates' house. You know, you're, I mean, you are just, I mean, what you're doing is incredible. And then your daughter goes, dad, I'm trying to figure out my possible every day. I love that, Luis. That is so cool. Let's step aside, take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about more about targeting your impossible and making it possible and get into more in Luis's story back in a moment on the intentional courage podcast. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. I wanna tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines After opening SEO National 14 years ago, let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Man, Luis, I, I, I love that. So let's talk about targeting your impossible. And so I, I've got to ask you where the genesis of that came from because you have done so many cool things in your life. And in fact, I, I love the LinkedIn picture that you got, man. You're in front of you're in front of the the cap, you're in Washington, you're out over looking on the mall in Washington, and you got a nice suit on, you got a nice white shirt. You look like you should be running for public office, man. You just <laughs> You look so clean in that picture, bro. I mean, I'm telling you, you look extremely clean in that picture. I'm like, man, I have never taken a picture that good. And my man, Luis, is rocking that thing
1: uh, in I that picture. That. That, 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 that was a few Luis's ago. Um, you, you know, definitely a, a wiser, you know, and you get the experience out of life and you build on that. And I think that's what... You know, I would encourage people to do just kind of build on yourself, be, be better than who you were yesterday. And and when you bring all that experience just to your life, it, it makes, I think a big
0: difference going forward. So let me ask you something. You just sparked a question in my mind that I wasn't going to ask, but I'm going to ask it now, since you said that. If you rolled up at that moment now on Luis taking that picture, then you said that was a few Luises ago. And I love that. What do you think you'd say to that guy in that picture now, as opposed to back
1: then? Go, charge, don't stop. Go, that's it. Just charge, don't stop for anyone. I think what what happens sometimes, Brian, is most of us we we get uh, comfortable with with life, and we we have this. Erroneous understanding, I would say, that things are to be a certain way, but you can you can build stuff. You can rebuild yourself and, and be better and not settle for things, um, and you just have to give yourself permission to be great and to succeed. You don't need permission from other people. You just need to tell yourself whatever it is that you want, you can do it. You just got to work on it, but you can do it.
0: Man, I love what you just said there. And I I want to I want to take a step back and let's talk about that a minute. You just said that many people have an erroneous understanding of how things should be. And, and and so we break that down a little bit, Luis. We what we understand is that we're that we're thinking of 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 how things should be in error. So I wear contact lenses. So if I don't have anything, if I didn't have my contact lenses in, I might see something from a distance that I that is blurry because I can't make it out. And I could see something that I think it is that thing and it's not that thing because my vision is not clear. Why is it that you think and, and the people that you work with and coach and and, and help why do people have an erroneous understanding of how things should be?
1: Because we have not understood our true and full potential. We don't take ourselves seriously, you know. Sometimes we we think, "Oh yeah, maybe you can do that." Okay. You give yourself a little pat on the back, but not fully go in on yourself like you really can do this. Like you got this. You you there's no there's no There's no obstacle big enough that can stop you from doing what you want once you set your mind to it. If anything, the bigger the obstacle, the more you got to figure out what it is that you need to do to overcome that obstacle, right? Makes you bigger and better in the end.
0: Well, people don't say that to me. They say, how in God's name do you have a podcast? How are you lucid enough to talk with people for... An hour at a time. You know, it's, it's, you know, I, I'm not getting that encouragement back. It's like, my God, how do you have a podcast? <laughs> well, no, you're, look, you're gifted. Look, I, I think sometimes. No, that's, uh, I believe in self deprecation because, because the thing of it is, and I love what you just said there. People don't realize sometimes their full potential, but sometimes we over potentialize ourselves. We're like, well, yeah, I, I am. You know, you know, when you see people, you're like, how you doing, man? I'm just crushing it right now. Yeah. And, and it's not an accurate picture. And Correct. so I tend to be self-deprecating because for me, I want to continue to understand that I'm working toward where I want to get to. I'm not there yet. I've not yet arrived. Right. And it's like, and I'm a big sports fan. I remember when I was a kid, I collected baseball cards. And they would release the baseball cards that had future stars on it. And you go back and you look, and I, my son and I were doing this. We were going through some old baseball cards, Louise, back from the 80s and late 70s and things like that. Very cool. Yeah. And I looked at the guys in these future stars cards, and about 10% of them actually had a decent career. And an even smaller percentage of what people thought were future stars actually ended up being hall of famers. And so again, I love what you said about the erroneous understanding because you can overthink that you are at a certain level when there's so much, if you're, if you're honest with yourself, you're like, man, I have so much work to do to actually get to where I think I am. And then sometimes you don't realize, man, you're farther down the road. Mm -hmm. Than you even thought you were It's like, I'm not doing anything. And you realize you take a step back and you, go, wait a minute. I'm a lot further down the road than what I am. When you think about targeting your impossible and you, and you work with people and, and coach people like that, do you find at times that they are farther than they're impossible that they think they are? I, am I asking that question correctly?
1: Yeah, I think uh yeah, I think that's a really good question. And and what I would say sometimes it's better to overdo than to overthink. Say that I mean, again. I love that. It's
0: better to overdo than, than to overthink. Think. Wow.
1: I mean, you gotta think about what you're doing, but don't overthink it, right? Because then you overthink it, and what happens? Self-doubt enters the picture, paralysis enters the picture, procrastination enters a picture. Just do you start. You know, if, if you're going to clean, if you're going to wash your car, if you're going to do your taxes, start doing, don't, don't think, just, just go do it and it'll get done. That's a beautiful thing about it, right? Once it gets started, you don't want to leave a car half washed.
0: No, no heavens. No, not, not in my house. At least my wife would be like, listen, what, what are you doing? And <laughs> we don't do that halfway. Yeah.
1: So it, it becomes a reflection of you and your work ethic and, and what I will also say, Brian, I think the, the really important lesson to draw uh, away from our, our conversation or one of them is whatever you put out there, that's going to be reflected back to you, right? So, oh, if, 100%, 100%. If you're not seeing your life get better, then maybe you ought to change the thinking.
0: Wow. Say that again. If your life isn't getting better, you, you're dropping such tons of intentional encouragement. If your life's not getting better, you need to change your thinking. Why do you think people will get in their own way in the their thought processes around that around that topic?
1: I think they get comfortable being who they are because it gives them a sense of security. It's false security, right? It's... It, it, and maybe they fit in with friends and situations at work and, and whatnot. But you, when you look in the mirror, the the one person that should be happy with with who you are and what you're doing first and foremost is you. You're not there to please people. You're 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 there to do things that are going to benefit you and, consequently, will have an impact on others. I love
0: that. The one person that should be happiest about your life
1: yeah, is you. The you're looking at. I mean, if you're not happy, it goes back to what you said earlier, right? You can fake confidence. You can fake results. But when you're, you know, looking in the mirror and there's nobody else, you can't fake that. Well, Either Luis. You're happy or you're not.
0: Man, I got to jump in here because that is such good stuff that you're saying there because we have conditioned ourselves especially in our social media presence and and other things that we do and say and and are, we've conditioned ourselves to rate our performance around likes, shares, and retweets. And we say, well, my message must not be resonating because I only got three likes on this post, or my content must not be good enough because I've only gotten 10 retweets on this or, or shares or whatever. And then we get self-doubt because we're looking outward for affirmation instead of saying, I've got quality content. The It may not be happening right now, but if I'm consistent and I do these things day in and day out, it's going to happen. Were there times as you were creating the, the target you're impossible? Were there times that you said, it, it, am I really hitting and reaching who I want to to hit and reach. Or did you just kind of say, doesn't matter to me. I'm just gonna do what I do and and try to help as many people as I can.
1: Yeah, it, it was it was the latter. For me, it's just it goes back to what I said a little earlier, just doing it right. And and the beautiful thing about creating things, Brian, when you have an idea, you know, I had the the logo on paper, you know, I'm thinking about you know what I want it to look like, had a family discussion about it. And then I, you know, went and got several logos from a graphic designer, and then I I got the shirts, and I had the digital store. Then it happened, and it's real, right? Yeah. And, and and that's the beauty of the mind that you can have an idea, and that that idea then becomes a concept, and then it becomes a tangible product or a service. Yeah. Yeah. So you you have to understand you you can do this. anybody can do this. You just got to take the idea, put it on paper, and find, you know, a a way to let it out.
0: Yeah, I love what you said there because I remember the first time that I saw the Intentional Encourager podcast logo. And I showed it to my wife, and I was like, check this out. And it was just like the coolest thing ever. And then we were on vacation. I told her, I said, I want to get a couple pieces of gear made up. So I think it's time, at least for just for me, I want to wear And I remember the first time I saw my logo on a shirt, to your point about getting the, the and stuff in the digital store and things like that. You you look at that and you go, man, it's almost like a, the the birth of one of your kids. You know, I just, I just, my wife and I just have the one son, but man, I I can totally, as you were telling that, that part of your story, I was like, man, I know what that, I know what that's like. Yeah, it's it's just, it's, it's, a, Luis, it's a moment that you just go, man, I just made the impossible possible because I'm sitting here looking at it. It's in my hands, right? Well, look,
1: look, look, look at what I'm wearing. I'll sit up real quick.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't (laughs) want to wear my intentional encourager podcast uh, pullover because you see this background behind me and it's like, then you got it on your, it's like. It's like for me, it'd be like overkill. Like you
1: really like your podcast, don't you, man? You know, <laughs> it, it becomes a lifestyle, and and for me, that's that. You know, what you said resonated. You you're able to create something, and it's fun, and it's a reminder that uh, it, it doesn't stop being important uh, just because you've created it. Now you got to build something else, and I think when when I think about my career. You know, the things that have happened, uh, Brian, you know, you start with government, you know, I want to give back to the people of California. I did that, got a chance to spend some time working under Schwarzenegger. But then you 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 go into the private sector, which I was you know uh able to do. I worked for Cause Union and Hardy's, you may know those delicious you know, burgers from commercials. And I've, you, I've eaten
0: several of those burgers from commercials. Oh, you're yeah. good ben. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's park the conversation here for just a minute. This is a great place to jump off. Step aside, take a break because I wanted to get into your story. Now I'm even more intrigued that one, you've dropped fast food and you can tell by looking at me, I enjoy some fast food. So, so do I, ben. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we're We've got that in, in, in that in common. And then you just mentioned working for Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger. And so in that vein, we'll step aside and go, I'll be back here in just a moment on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Hey, everybody. Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew. And he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25 year sales and sales management, customer engagement and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger, deeper and more powerful connector. You've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up. Kindle, if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me, and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email. And I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Luis. Luis. You, I'm quoting Jerry Maguire here. You had me at hello. When you said Carl's (laughs) Jr. and Hardee's, you had me at hello. So go back as far as you want to go into your incredible story uh, of how you got from point A to point B. You and I were talking before you've lived all over the country, done some really cool things. So take the audience through your story.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, you know, we've lived in California, Chicago, uh, went to school here in Southern California, and then I, I wanted to get back to the state of California, and I ended up working for the state for for almost a decade, um, and while I was working there, I obviously got a chance to uh, do it under, work under Governor Schwarzenegger, learned a lot, I did a lot, I, I really... It, government is, 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 is huge and, and you can see the impact that it has on people's lives. And, and we worked on some pretty cool initiatives. Uh, I remember uh, we had stuff, uh, greening initiatives where we would go to uh, different places and we would take these old cars, Brian, and we would crush them because we were getting rid of these gross polluters. And whenever we showed up and did that, people just loved it. They loved the destruction of these cars. Um, but that is just one of the many, many initiatives that i worked on. And uh, towards the end, I wanted to, to, you know, work for the private sector. That was really important for me because government, the way I look at it, they, they create policies, they, they write laws. Uh, but it's the, the entrepreneurial types. It's the CEO types. It's the private sector that really drives the growth uh, of the economy. So I, I wanted to get in there. And, I wanted to help them overcome, you know, legislative challenges and help them in- yeah. increase profits, which which I did.
0: Um, Luis, I got to ask you this.
1: Yeah. It, it, most people,
0: and, and people where I live, I live in West Virginia. We we looked at California when Governor Schwarzenegger was there, and and it was so cool. It was like okay, um, we had you guys had this larger than life figure, this movie star, this guy. He he comes in. He's like, listen, I'm going to run for governor. You get to work with this guy. You get to work with, with governor Schwarzenegger. What was the one thing that you learned about working with him that you didn't realize that he was good at?
1: I think his ability to hone public, um, um, attention on issues as a government leader was was huge it it was it was able to help him create an agenda i I participated in several events uh where for example he would gather the the governors of mexico it was a border governors conference and to see that interaction to build better relationships with with cross-border governors uh to make them really feel welcome and, and and build things that could be a benefit to both countries uh, was huge for me, but it wasn't just working, uh, you know, with him. It was also the people that he assembled together, right? So I got a chance to work with with other uh, leaders uh, in government who were real go-getters. They weren't there to take. They were there to create, um, and, and I actually still stay in touch with with many of them people that worked hard have yeah, one, one guy, I remember where I was working in this agency, I, I uh, was coming in during the weekend uh, and, and he's there standing down a table, his office, you know, uh, desk. I'm like, what, what are you doing? Yeah. I think we, we got people that could do that, but no, his thing is like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to create, I'm going to get better. Very talented guy. Very, very smart. Very sharp. And I think you just Luis, I didn't mean to jump in there. What you just
0: said is is incredible. It's it's like the governor said, Hey, I I am the figurehead. But and, and if you know anything about Schwarzenegger's life, he had very humble beginnings in Austria. I mean, he he rose and 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 that connection, you know, you're you're a body, you know, weightlifter and bodybuilder. He worked and became this international phenomena in the world of bodybuilding, but here's what I took from what you said. He knew how to connect with people in in very deep ways to make everybody feel important when he was the largest persona in the room, and yet he knew, he two things I took away from what you said. And please forgive me for interrupting. I, I just oh, no, I had I to jump in there. What I took away from that was he knew how to connect with people, but he also knew how to assemble a team of people that knew what he didn't know. How important was that? What, what, what ultimately when you transition to the private sector and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I got to think that was really important, that lesson that you learned there about getting everybody involved in the conversation.
1: Yeah, the, the best performing teams uh, have someone who leads them, who trusts them, who picks them, right? And, and lets them do their job. Good leaders don't micromanage you. Uh, they, they hire you and they trust you to get the job done. And I, I, I think in today's uh, world, you see a lot of micromanagement out of fear, Insecurity, and frankly, you also have people in leadership positions that have no business being in leadership positions. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and and I'll and I'll just I'll just leave it there. I think, uh the man, I wish people, you
0: would go on a little bit with that because you you are pre man, you are just flat dropping the knowledge right there. Because again, just because you have the title doesn't mean you belong in the seat. And Luis, let me go here for just a minute. And I said this on a post on LinkedIn several months ago. I kind of, I kind of came up with a, a, a generic term that I call fearship. I saw mm. a lot of, a lot of people leading with fear and passing it off as leadership. Great leaders never lead with fear. No, they you are. Ta- yeah, you, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, it's not possible. It no. is impossible to lead with fear. And if we're going to target that impossible, then we've got to get fear out of the equation in leadership. How do you coach? Let me, let me just jump back a little bit. and we, when we'll get back to your story, how do you coach that out of leaders? Because you know, it's impossible. Most people know that it's impossible to lead with fear. How do you coach that out of your clients?
1: I think what you have to do is, is you have to get people to understand that individuals will give the most that they can offer, not by being motivated by fear, but by the ability to get something good out of whatever situation they're in. If you're an employer, if you have an employee, you can help them get to a next level of performance by giving them bonuses, by making them part of meetings, by recognizing their work, it, it doesn't take much really to help people feel good, right? Yeah. And I think maybe that's that's the big, uh, it's not a secret, but that's the, a big part of it. You, you have to want to connect with people in order to help them be better off. And I think when you're a leader and you care about people and you're a natural about it, that's going to come across. When you, when you don't care uh, for people and you just see them as as a tool to get the job done then you're gonna have a very different result people that feel like they're taken care of like they like they matter are gonna always perform more than those who don't right
0: yeah no hundred percent man I, I just I had to man I had to, to grab some more conversation out of that because what you were saying was just so good about the fear, that, it, that envelops leaders sometimes like, well, if, and, and I'll use my state as an example, our governor in our state likes to be in charge. He just, he, he's not a great leader. He just likes to be in charge. Mm. And he kept telling us in, in news conferences, well, if we don't do this, I'm telling you, we, you know, if we don't do, it, and it was always fear-based, like, like if we don't wear a mask, somebody's going to die. And it's like, wait a minute. I know, I personally know, and I'm not trying to be political. I personally know 32 people that I went to church with that had COVID and all recovered, including an 89-year-old man that all recovered. And so you understand when you're hearing this, it's like, wait a minute, but what's your solution? If you're telling the people this, and I tell my wife and son all the time, never bring me a problem that you don't have a possible solution. Because if you're bringing me the problem, I'm going to solve it the way I feel like I need to solve it. Right. And you may not like the way that I come down with that. But what I know is, and again, I cannot speak for anybody here. I am just offering what I saw here in my state of 1.8 million people. I saw our governor basically hand-wringing every day instead of being a leader and saying, now here's what we're going to do. And here's how we're going to take the impossible situation and we're going to make it possible. I didn't see that here. Again, I can't speak for everybody else. I'm just saying what I saw coming out of Charleston, West Virginia, in our governor's mansion, and I love what you said there, man. I had to park on that because that is powerful. And you don't hear people talk about it enough, Luis, that we've got to take the fear out of leadership. Oh, for thank sure. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that today. That my is, pleasure. that is powerful, my friend.
1: It has to be inspirational, transformational, right? Yes, and, yes, and, yes, and, yes. And, and, you, and if you want people to get somewhere and you, you, you're painting a vision, think back to Ronald Reagan, the city on a shiny hill, you know, not a, to, to go political, but we have always got to believe that a better days are ahead. I mean, I, honestly, I, I wouldn't want to wake up in the morning and think, man, tomorrow is going to be, today's going to be worse and the day after is going to be even worse. More, I mean, like, yeah, what, you what wake up and say? it's like, oh, yes, today is going to suck. <laughs> I mean, like, who wakes up, you know, thinking that? I, I, I couldn't, you know, and uh, you have to, yes. you also have to, to make a choice about the kind of people you follow. You know, going back to the example you just cited a minute ago, I, I, I'm a big believer in including people in the conversation. So if you're a government official, create a, a committee, include people from the community, have them weigh in. Have, why not have people that run a business? Why not have people that have kids in school? Why not have church leaders be part of that conversation? Why are you dictating instead of listening and helping your community get through a very, different, a very difficult situation? So if you want different results, again, you got to change the thinking. But that presupposes that that leader is equipped to do that.
0: Man, man, if I could, I would, and and those of you watching on YouTube, if I could, I would stand and give this man a standing ovation. That was two minutes of powerful, powerful things. Because here in Luis, you have, again, I've got to go here for just a minute. You just hit on something so critical that leaders do not do enough of today, in my opinion. And that is they don't include everyone in the conversation. The most brilliant leaders lead from the top down and they're saying, Hey, what do you see that I'm not seeing? Give me something that you find that I, I shared this with a guy I go to church with, he was transitioning to a leadership position. And I said to him, I said, can I give you a piece of advice? He said, yeah. I said, you have a a team. He said, I've got a team of about five or six people. I said, okay, here's what you do. You take every person every couple weeks. You say, I need need to have a five-minute conversation with you. And you take them aside and you say, I just wanted to let you know, here's what I value about you. Mm Mm-hmm. Not what I appreciate. There's a vast difference between value and appreciation. And you tell them specifically what they do that makes that team better. And I said, they will run through hell in a gas suit for you. They will, they will, they will conquer worlds with you. And, and you just brilliantly, Luis Farias, you just brilliantly said it right there. The inclusion of everyone. So I've got to ask you this. You, tra- you when you transition from the pri- from the public sector to the private sector, what did you see when you left government that you said, "I wish I had known this when I was working in government."
1: Oh, well, I'm glad you asked that great question because it's, it's one of the things I wanted to to talk about. So when I was in, in college, you you get all these you know writing exams. High school, even you know going back to high school, it. And for me, uh, you know, I spoke Spanish. You know, then I had to learn English, and, and it was it was you know not not easy. I, I it wasn't fun. You know, I, I wrote because I had to write. Uh, you know, I got through it when I went to UCLA. You know, I, I started really kind of making it better, uh, improving my writing when I was with the state. But I really, really learned to love it when I was working with a, uh, at, at CKE. Because the uh, CEO at the time, he had been a a, a a former trial attorney, right? So when you write, your your writing's got to be at a, a very very different level. Yeah. And and Andy, Andy's his name, he was able to take very complex uh, concepts and, and break them down, which is an art to to take that and and write in such a way that people can. Understand something, even if they haven't following it, you know, is it, truly an art. And I'm like, I'm thinking, I, I want to be able to do that because, one, I see that the challenge. It was a challenge that I wanted to overcome and and be a better writer. So I had never thought of myself as as a great writer, and it's and I'm still working on it. Obviously, it's 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 never done. You you're always improving. You're always, you're always uh, becoming uh, better at at the ability to express yourself, but the takeaway was this is your voice use it i mean we all have a voice sometimes you got to stay quiet sometimes you got to speak up but if, if you have an ability to speak up why why not do it i would well, have never thought that
0: spanish was your first language because you are such a, you are such an accomplished speaker I mean, I, I, I understand. I mean, I, I, I pick up the, the Latino influence, obviously, but I never, I would have never known. I mean, you, you just, you, you must have immersed yourself in, in, in doing that. And I can hear when you're saying Spanish was my first language. I had to write a lot. I had to, I had to work at it. I had to really, I, Luis, I would have never known that English was your second language. I would have thought, well, you grew up speaking English all your life and things like that. I just, man, that is just, that is a testament to what you talk about all the time. You took an impossibility and you made it possible.
1: And I did it again when I went to France, when I went to study there for a year, I I wanted to immerse myself in the culture, right? So you're like, how do you learn? Well, you learn by watching uh, other people, you learn by doing, you you, you, you learn by uh, having hope that you you can be better, not by having the fear that you're never going to speak the language good enough, you know, to get across through, you know, to people. And, and and whenever you take any situation and you just give yourself that ability to believe that you can get it done, you will always get it done. And you'll have fun along the way. You know, I, I love... English, I love French, I, 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 but even more than that is the, the ability to express yourself and connect with other people. Connecting with people is, is huge. It, it, it really can have a meaningful impact at the end of the day. It can help people, you know, turn their lives around. I mean, you, you know, us connecting, you know, we have other people that we know in common. Uh, we can do a lot of good putting all these good people to work together.
0: I love that. Man, I love that. And, and here's what I jotted down, Louise. I jotted down when you studied for a year in France, what you learned by learning. That is beautiful. I mean, that, that did just so just succinctly what you just said, and, and you probably have some French now in your background that you learned for studying. And I can, I can totally see you saying to yourself from the minute you got in France, I'm going to be conversational pretty quick. Like I I can tell you're that kind of person. It's like, okay. um, And I'll use the sports analogy. Give me the playbook. And in a week I'll learn how to run the offense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 and I I could just, you know, it doesn't surprise me one bit that, that you probably became somewhat fluent in front somewhat fluent in French.
1: I'm actually doing business in France now. Wow. Like, yeah. It doesn't surprise me a bit. I mean, it, but, yeah. But I think, that's, that, I think that's a good takeaway for, for, for uh, your listeners. Never stop learning. Ne- never, never let people tell you that you can't do something. Uh, I, if I had listened to my high school counselor, you know, many years ago, when I told him I wanted to take French, he's like, just take auto, you know, shop class. If I had gone with that, there's so many things I wouldn't have done, right? If he had derailed my plans, Luis, let me. I,
0: I got to jump here for a minute. You you just brought up something, and, and I'm I'm not trying to prolong our conversation, but not at all. I love what you just said. Your counselor, and 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 forgive me if I if if I'm trying. I, I'm just trying to to understand and paint the picture. You grew up in Chicago, in the Chicago area. Spent time there, yeah. Right, and spent time there. I can imagine your high school counselor saying, because young Latino kids, they were they were pushed toward auto mechanics because it's something they could do. Like, well, don't take French. You should take auto mechanics because, you know, 15 other Latino kids went into auto mechanics and they did well. And forgive me, please forgive me if I'm stereotyping. I just, you and I are roughly the are about the same age and i can i i know those stereotypes well because it was almost like where i grew up in southern ohio it was the same thing happening with the kids that they said yeah you probably shouldn't take french you probably should go study auto mechanics and go to the vocational school and, and do and learn a trade instead of opening your mind and and seeing what was possible and not throwing kids into the
1: impossible am, am i hitting that correctly uh, uh, yes, but it actually happened in, in California. We li- we left Chicago when I was uh, after completing my freshman year. Um, yeah,
0: forgive me for that. I forgive me no, for messing no. up that
1: timeline. No, no it's okay. You um, so th- that happened in in California, but it was it was definitely that kind of a situation because the counselor said, well, this is what your people do. I mean, obviously a very different time. You oh know my know? goodness. Sure. Yeah. And, and, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, he wasn't trying to be disrespectful. He, this is just how he saw things said, yeah. Oh, by the way, I, I love vocational education. I think that there's a lot of opportunities. hundred percent.
0: Yeah. hundred percent.
1: Um, Cause you know, the, the, the traditional four-year university system, it just leaves people down with debt. So anyways, that could be a, a, a separate conversation, but again, it's uh, not letting people take control of your life, right? It's your life. At the end of the day, you got to make decisions that are going to make you happy. And you got to learn to go by what your gut tells you, not by what other people tell you, because then you're never going to be happy.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, So, you know, I I said, no, thank you. I did it politely. And, uh, you know, that was that.
0: Yeah, I, I I think if I had taken an auto mechanics class, they would have said go somewhere else. You know, you you you're just re- you're ruining things for us. Yeah, I mean yeah, that's
1: yeah you uh, s- same here. My dad was a mechanic. I mean, I I couldn't understand like how he got under the you know, the car. You know, all these different moving parts. I help. I give him tools, but uh, it, it's it's an art. You know, oh, it Everybody really is got different gifts. And and let me let me
0: park here for for just a quick second. I love what you just said about the entrepreneurial spirit in vocational in, in in vocational trades we we have so devalued the vocational trades in our in our country because we have painted college and we put the we put college on a pedestal and we've made the vocational trades our footstool when in hindsight you're going to pay someone way more to fix your car And to work on your air conditioning and to work on your plumbing, you're going to pay somebody far more money than you're going to pay that college professor that's teaching your philosophy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. we got to rebalance that equation. And look, I think it goes back to a, a, a larger belief. We ought to be creating things. We, 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 I don't know when we stopped thinking about you know the United States of America as as a great country with a huge potential to build new things, new industries to work with other countries to to reach new levels, you know uh, back in the '80s with Reagan and the Olympics and you had all this stuff happening, you know I don't know maybe I'm romanticizing it but I really think that was an awesome time for us uh, as a country and I think that. Uh, Knowing what I know now, it's important that we give back to to winning, but it's also critically important that we ensure that other countries can also thrive, right? Coming Mm -hmm. from Mexico again, you know, uh, you see there's a huge difference in the standard of living. Why? Why is that this way? If you look here in California, you look at the homeless population in Los Angeles. Why is that okay? I mean, we have not figured out a way to take care of these most vulnerable people, really? I, well, I we have that
0: same operation. crisis here in West Virginia, Luis, where we have a, a drug epidemic where we have created in our area, we, we have in, in some place, well, to give you an example, um, we have a direct pipeline from Detroit, Michigan to Huntington, West Virginia. And, and here several years ago, we were referred to our area was referred to as Munnington because those people knew they could come here and and as the kids say, make bank selling mm-hmm. drugs. And we just became known as as being this city that just took everybody in and said, Well, if you need treatment, just come here to hunt. We were bussing people in from other states to give them treatment, and we weren't giving them treatment. We were just providing them a place to go, hey, you want to hang out in this little city of 45,000 people where nobody will care what you do? You can get all the drugs you want, all the the stuff. We became that society, and to your point, we never figured out how to solve the problem. We just said, well, if we just throw more money at it or we throw this at it, or we throw, we never encouraged people intentionally to get better. We just provided them a place to just be. You just
1: you just slapped a band-aid on them. You didn't go to the source of the problem because going to the source of the problem is you have to tackle very difficult and challenging issues. Yeah. Often psychological ones. And um, yeah, it's 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 tough, but you you look at people that are in those situations and you think, you know, that that's not fulfilling their potential, right? That's not that's at all. The opposite. And, not at all. And, and so it is sad that, that happens. And uh, again, I think we have to figure out ways to, to get through to them.
0: Luis, I, I would be remiss. And we we have, I have loved this conversation. I hope you are listening you. loving this conversation because there is so many layers that we've unpacked today that has that just been powerfully good stuff. But Luis, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you what your biggest piece of intentional encouragement is. Is to someone, because again, somebody may be listening and go, man, I connect with that, with Luis. I connect with that. I, what you got, they're connecting to these different parts of our conversation, but what's your biggest piece of intentional encouragement?
1: It's, it's something that, you know, I said earlier, go charge, don't stop until you're happy with who you are,
0: man. That is so good. I'm writing that down. Don't That's stop, great. keep charging. Man, so good, so so good, Luis. We could have talked for three hours, but I want to I be respectful so of the audience's time and your time as well. Let folks know how they can connect with you and where they can connect with you on your different platforms.
1: Sure. So I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. Obviously, uh, I do have a page on Facebook for the Targeting Impossible. Uh, brand. And uh, we also have an official account on Instagram. Um, and then I'll, I'm also on Twitter. So folks can reach out any way they want. I'm you know, happy to uh, talk to them.
0: You have an Instagram page. I am jealous because my 20-year-old son would not let me invade that space. That's, that's where we had to draw the line. He's like, no, dad. <laughs> You can't be on Instagram.
1: Don't, don't feel bad. I, I I posted a few times on the official account. My son's like, wrong filter. Take that down. <laughs> <laughs> wrong filter, dad. Yeah. Oh, so, hey, you learn together. You know, I told him, hey, this is your thing now. Yeah, you,
0: your son just said, dad, you're impossible. Come I'm, on. I'm like, you take it. You. I'm going to make it. this possible for you, dad. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Luis Farias, F-A-R-I-A-S. You're going to want to connect with him. If you're not connected with him, after this podcast is over with, you get to LinkedIn, you get to Facebook, you get to Instagram, and you immediately connect with this guy because you're going to want to stay plugged into his content. Luis, what a powerful conversation. Thank, Thank you, you for Brian. joining me on the Intentional courage podcast. I
1: appreciate it, my friend.